All right, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 13 uh, this uh, morning. Acts chapter 13. Um, the uh, nature of the service from this point forward will be an emphasis on mission uh, or missions. And uh, we look forward to celebrating a few things here together today. Uh, at Colonial Baptist Church, we strive to engage in four essentials of ministry that we believe the New Testament authors emphasize. Uh, those four essentials, as by way of review here, are the text of Scripture, worship, community, and mission. We feel like if, if we are able to emphasize these things and uh, uh, function well within them, that it will uh, help us in every relationship, both our relationship to God, because, of course, one of the clearest ways that God demonstrated himself to us was through the text of his holy word, the Scripture. And uh, our response to that is worship, whether that's singing or praying or living uh, our lives in ways that would honor Christ. Community is important for us because uh, there we emphasize our relationship to other believers in the family of God. And then mission, of course, is important because we think about how we relate to the lost or unbelievers around us. These are commitments that we make to the Lord and to one another and we ask God to help us grow in these four areas, text, worship, community, mission. We do none of these things perfectly, but God knows that about us, and he knows that about our church. He remembers that we are but dust, and he will help us grow and become better in our commitments uh, to one another and to him. We're going to look at Acts chapter 13 today, and uh, I think if, if you want to grow in learning how to properly engage unbelievers with the gospel, I can't think of a clearer passage, or perhaps a more important text for you to consider than Acts 13 and 14, which is the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. In Acts 13 and 14, two men, Paul and Barnabas, are sent out by a grace church to share the gospel and to plant churches. On this journey, they work primarily in six cities. And uh, this morning, in this devotional, we're not going to be able to see everything that they did. But what I do want to do is go quickly through these two chapters, and I want to show you what they did by looking or pointing out some of the verbs, some of their actions in these six cities to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're in Acts chapter 13, after the first introductory verses in the church of Antioch, sending them out, starting in verse 3, and going, or I'm sorry, verse 4, and going down to verse 12, you have their engagement in the first location, and that is on the island of Cyprus. And although we just have nine verses here about their time on Cyprus, we learn that in verse 5, the text says that they proclaimed God's word in the synagogues of the Jews. This core to their strategy, opening up and proclaiming God's word to the Jewish people in the synagogues. And we learn as well, a little bit later on down in the text, in verses 9 and 12, that a part of their strategy was confronting an opponent, a magician who was preventing a governor or a proconsul of the little town of Paphos from hearing the gospel to believe. And so after Paul and Barnabas confront him and God performs a miracle to stop this magician, the governor hears the gospel. Look down in your Bible at Acts 13 and verse 12. 
It says, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Here the governor of Paphos, Sergius Paulus, becomes a believer in Jesus Christ because Paul and Barnabas proclaimed God's word and they confronted opponents to the gospel of Jesus Christ. After their time on that island, the island of Cyprus, they go to the second location, a city by the name of Pisidian Antioch. And in your Bible, the account of this uh, city goes for the rest of chapter 13. And so it goes from verse 13 in your Bible the whole way down to the end to verse 52. And to put it in sum, what happens here in Pisidian Antioch is that Paul and Barnabas, the text says, they stood up and they preached Jesus. Those are the verbs. They stood up, they preached Jesus in the synagogue on the Sabbath day in Pisidian Antioch. And it was quite a reception that they heard that first Sabbath day. And you could read in this chapter some of the, I think, some of the actual sermon that Paul preached regarding Jesus and preaching Jesus to these Jewish people here. His first challenge was exciting to the city so that on the next Sabbath day, the text says just about the whole city gathered to hear them proclaim the word. Look down in your Bible at verse 44. Acts 13, verse 44. It says, The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. So what did they do? They spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are now turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, and they were glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. If you want to learn about evangelism, if you want to learn uh, methods, right, and how to reach the lost, I think it's good to learn from Paul and Barnabas in their first missionary journey. Here they go into the synagogues, they proclaim Jesus. They they are rivaled by Jewish opponents, and they go to the Gentiles, and many Gentiles come to faith in Jesus Christ. Again, at the end of this account, you have that many believed. After their time in Pisidian, Antioch, they go to their third location, Iconium. In your Bible, you can put a mark around verses 1 through 7 to see their interaction in this city. They start in the synagogue again, and the verb or the action here is that they speak Jesus so that a great number of Jews and Greeks believe. Look at chapter 14 and verse 1. Chapter 14, verse 1. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Picking up a trend here, the first missionary journey hidden within each one of these first three these first three accounts are many believing, many believing, many believing. At Colonial Baptist Church, as we think about our future, it'd be my prayer that many, many would believe through the faithful witness of God's people here in this location. As they're in Iconium, this third city, this, they uh, run into initial opposition here as well. And the text says, though, 
that happened, they, remain, they remained and they spoke boldly for quite some time in verse 3. And they eventually flee away at the, the threat of execution. It was not their time to face that. And so they leave Iconium. They go to the fourth city, which is Lystra. And in your Bible, on this first missionary journey, the, the account of Lystra goes, uh, from my account, from verses 8 down through verse 19. And so it's a little bit longer account of what happens, it happens in Lystra. When they go to the city, they heal a crippled man at the beginning. And it's such an amazing miracle that it draws the admiration of the people of Lystra. As a matter of fact, more than admiration. If you remember this text, what they start doing is they start worshiping Paul and Barnabas which is a problem, especially if you are familiar with Acts chapter 12, just a few uh, places before this. This is a problem when someone takes the place of God. And so Paul and Barnabas deflect that worship to God, and they continue to proclaim uh, the gospel in Lystra until their Jewish opponents from Pisidian Antioch and Iconium, the, the second and the third location, the Jewish opponents come from those cities, and they come, and they stone Paul, and they drag him out of the city in verse 19. But Paul is miraculously delivered, and he goes to his fifth city, the city of Derbe, in verses 20 and 21. Look down in your Bible at verse 20 and 21. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derbe. And listen to what he does. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Pisidian Antioch. And so just in this one verse that describes Paul's interaction with the, the church of Derby, we find that they preached the gospel in that city as well, and they made many disciples. Again, I, I don't want to oversimplify this for us for colonial, for colonial today, but it is quite simple. As we're looking at the verbs and what Paul and Barnabas did on this first missionary journey, we hear it over and over again. They proclaimed the gospel. They proclaimed Jesus and here is added a very important piece. They made many disciples in this little town of Derby. They go back to some of their original cities, and then they decide to stop at one other city on the way back, and that's the sixth city, Perga. And you could read about that in verse 25. So go down to chapter 14, verse 25. Just a very short account, but it tells us what they did there too. And when they had spoken the word, in Perga, they went down to Atelia, and from there they sailed back to Antioch, the city where the church was that had sent them out on their missionary journeys. Here in Derby, they preached the gospel, they preached the word of God uh, as well. And so it's a form of review. On the first missionary journey, Paul proclaimed God's word, he confronted opponents, he stood up, he preached Jesus so that great numbers believed. He remained he spoke boldly in the face of persecution and affliction. He deflected worship. He preached the gospel, and he made many disciples. And so men and women, despite the many hardships and persecutions Paul and Barnabas faced, they engaged in mission in six cities. At least six churches were planted in two years. In two years, the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. I want to ask you as a church, what could God do with us here in the next two years? 
What could he do to reach, to reach uh, our areas, our cities, if we would be faithful and obedient? Several years ago now, we created a five-year strategic plan. How many of you can remember that? Okay. Yeah. I don't remember anything in it right now, right? I find it very interesting. When you create a five-year strategic plan and then a pandemic hits, you know, and it shows you which plan uh, God really wanted us to follow. Let's imagine that we had a two-year strategic plan, that God had a two-year strategic plan for Colonial Baptist Church to reach the Hampton Roads. What could God do? I'm convinced that God could give to old, established Colonial Baptist Church the heart of a pioneer missionary ministry. A heart that is not settled into a maintenance mentality but one that exudes a missions mentality. We should be less concerned about caring for our buildings, and that's important, okay, in, in its own way. But we should talk far less about that than we talk about reaching the lost in the Hampton Roads area. What could we do? What could God do with us? God could give us a heart that sees row upon row of houses, thousands of men and women and children in our own area who need the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a graphic that our seminary uses on a table display. It's an overhead picture of our church and seminary. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. But one of the things that's just striking is to see all the houses, all the houses surrounding Colonial Baptist Church. One of the things that uh, is, is always on my heart when I drive into work every day is I look across the road and I see a housing development that by my count has over 500 houses. 500 houses right across the road. I just think, what, what could God do with believers who were really burdened to reach the lost? Believers who are convinced by a fear of the Lord to persuade people to turn to faith in Jesus Christ. May God give us an attitude that scrapes and claws its way forward to share the gospel, to take good news to our neighbor and to the nations. As we consider what God can do with a grace church that sends forth members into the cities, I want to encourage you to pray about doing three things. First, would you stop today, on this beautiful day, and would you ask God this question? God, which neighbor do you want me to reach this year? Which neighbor do you want me to reach with the gospel this year? Would you ask yourself that question? Perhaps there's one of your neighbors that seems especially open, especially desperate or lonely. Maybe there's one that loves to talk with you, just always seem to be around and come and talk with you. Perhaps God could use you to reach that neighbor for the sake of Jesus Christ. Would you also ask yourself this question? Number two, which fellow employee could God use me to reach this year? Perhaps it's that girl next to you in the office, the guy that you work with in the warehouse or in the shipyard. I tell you, men and women, God can use you to reach one for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're just simply doing what the apostle Paul and Barnabas did. You proclaim Jesus. You proclaim the gospel. You have a desire to make disciples. And you step back and you watch God empower your witness. The third thing I invite you to do, if 
you're taking notes or thinking through these things, you ask, which neighbor does God want me to reach? Number two, which employee, fellow employee, might God use me to reach? And then number three, would you pray for us, and especially for our youth, as they commit to engage in mission this fall as well? Last week at our youth picnic, uh, Pastor Thomas announced that the teens are going to have a special night for mission once a month on Wednesday nights throughout the fall. The teens are going to have a special mission night where they go into parks and neighborhoods around the church to build relationships and give out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I ask you this, would you pray for them? So I'm asking, would you pray for them and even consider joining them as they engage in mission around them? It's my prayer and hope this year that we learn from personal experience what God can do with a grace church that sends members out on mission into the city to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us as we think about doing that this year. Father, I thank you for Acts 13 and 14. Two men were sent by a church. They were faithful, and you blessed and enabled through your Spirit to plant six churches in two years. Father, with our members, you could do so much in the Hampton Roads. I pray that each one of our members here at Colonia would ask these, these questions seriously of you. They'd ask, God, what neighbor do you want me this year to try to reach? God, what fellow employee could, God, could you use me to reach? And that they would also pray for our youth as they desire to be used by you simply to be obedient and take the gospel to others. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.